Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. Jesus interacted with demons. He talked to demons. He commanded demons. If he was talking to imaginary beings, then Jesus should have been locked up in a mental asylum. No, demons are real. Demons are real and they have a very real plan to destroy your life, as we'll see in just a moment. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. In the heart of every person, there's an invisible battle raging. The battle is between heavenly forces and demonic forces, and neither side, truthfully, is willing to give up the fight. Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress talks about the presence of demons and explains what they can and cannot do to those who follow God. Now, here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. In just three months from now, I'll be hosting the 2023 Pathway to Victory Tour of Israel. Over the last few months, you've likely heard me describe this once-in-a-lifetime experience. And maybe you dismissed it because you assumed a trip to the Holy Land was for someone other than yourself. Well, I'm urging you to stop by ptv.org to check it all out. You'll be pleased to see that while the accommodations are fabulous, the cost is not extravagant. The dates for the tour are April 25th through May 5th, and there's still limited space on this Bible prophecy tour of Israel. Trust me, you'll never read the Bible the same way again after being on a trip to Israel. So go right ahead. Join us for this vacation with a purpose by signing up at ptv.org. Right now, we're in the middle of a brand new teaching series called What Every Christian Should Know. It's a study of 10 core beliefs that define our Christian faith. Look, not every Christian has the privilege of attending seminary. But you don't have to attend seminary to grasp 10 of the most essential doctrines of the Bible. In fact, I contend that you really must understand them. In this new series, I'm helping you understand what every Christian should know about the Bible, the Holy Spirit, the end times, and much more. And right now, I'm offering to send you my brand new book when you give a generous gift to support the growing ministry of Pathway to Victory. The full title of my book is What Every Christian Should Know, 10 Core Beliefs for Standing Strong in a Shifting World. David and I will say more about my book and other resources later in today's program. But right now, let's get started. I titled today's message, What Every Christian Should Know About Angels and Demons. It was the 19th century French priest, Pierre de Chardin, who said, We are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spirit beings having a human experience. Now, I know technically that's not 100% accurate. The Bible teaches we are both human and spiritual beings. But don't miss the point. The priest was saying there is a whole other realm of existence that, though invisible to us, is very real. It is the realm where God and Satan, demons and angels exist. It is a world that, although is invisible to the naked eye, it impacts our lives every day. It's the spirit world. And last time in our series on the 10 basic 
core beliefs of historic Christianity, we begin looking at what every Christian needs to know about the spirit world. Last time we talked about what every Christian should know about angels. Angels, our heavenly allies, God's servants. Now today, we're going to switch our attention to another kind of angels, fallen angels, our spiritual adversaries that we call demons. So what I'd like to do is look at one account in the Bible that shows the characteristics of demons better than any other passage. It's found in Luke chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. It's the account, one of the accounts, of Jesus' interaction with demons. Remember, Jesus and his disciples had finished in Galilee, and they got in a boat to sail across the Sea of Galilee. Now, if you've been on the Sea of Galilee, like some of us will be this coming spring, you quickly discover it's really not a sea, it's a lake. But they called it the Sea of Galilee. And so they made the journey from Galilee to the other side, which was the land of the Gerizines. And Jesus met a man there who was being tormented by many demons. And notice the characteristics of these demons that we derive from this passage. First of all, demons have intelligence. When they saw Jesus, they said, what have we to do with you, the son of the most high God? They immediately had the intelligence to recognize Jesus for who he was. Uh, Demons, by the way, are theologically orthodox. In fact, they believe the Bible more than some liberal seminary professors. They believe that Jesus really was the Son of God. And may I take this moment to say, believing the right things about Jesus is not what gets you into heaven. I mean, the demons are very orthodox. They believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They believe that he died on the cross for the sins of the world. They believe that he rose again on the third day. In fact, they believe those things more than you do more than I do, because they were eyewitnesses to each of those events. Believing the right things do not get you into heaven. Remember what James said in James 2.19? He said, you believe that God is one? Congratulations. The demons believe that too, and they shudder. Literally, they tremble. You can believe Jesus is the Son of God who died on the cross for the sins of the world and rose again on the third day and still go straight to hell. No, it's not just believing a set of facts about Jesus. It means believing that Jesus is your Savior. It means there comes that point in time when you kneel before a holy God and say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve eternal hell, but I believe in all my heart that Jesus died for me, and I'm trusting in him and him alone to save me from eternal death. And the Bible says when we say that to God and we mean it, God declares us not guilty. We are righteous in his sight. No demon has ever done that before. But demons have intelligence. Secondly, demons have emotions. They feel things. In this passage, it says that they beg Jesus, don't send us out of this man and back into the abyss. What is the abyss? Scholars debate this. Some people believe it's just the hangout for demons today. It's where they dwell. And uh, we find in Scripture, in Revelation 9 and other passages, that in the end times, groups of demons will be released from the abyss. Some people equate the abyss with Tartaros, 
another name for hell that's found in 2 Peter 2, 4, that this is a place of special judgment for a special group of fallen angels who committed a heinous sin of cohabitating with human beings, and they are being held right now in this horrible place. We can't say with certainty where it is, but here's one thing we do know. It is such a horrible place that the demons beg Jesus not to send them to. And it's just a taste of what the lake of fire, the final judgment place will be for the devil, his angels, and every human being who has not received God's forgiveness through Christ. They had emotions. Thirdly, they have a will. They have a will. Uh, they proposed to Jesus uh, an alternative uh, solution. If he's going to cast them out of the man, they say, send us into this herd of swine. Let us reside in this herd of pigs so that we might have some place to indwell. And so Jesus agrees to that. He sends the spirits into these swine. And one way you know they are possessed is they start act, acting in a maniacal way. And as a herd, they run over the cliff and fall into the sea and drown because they had been possessed by demons. This is the first instance in the Bible of deviled ham. You find it, uh, <laughs> no, just seeing if you're paying attention. No, they have a will. They proposed a solution. And finally, demons have names. They are real beings. Uh, this chief demon and this man identified himself as a demon named Legion. A Roman legion with 6,000 soldiers. So apparently, this demon had authority over a group of demons. There is a hierarchy of demons just like there is a hierarchy of heavenly angels. Now, it's easy to read passages like this, and critics of the Bible will say, oh, demons, they're not real. They are just crude first century attempts to explain what we sophisticates know as mental illness, like schizophrenia and psychosis. They didn't know about any of that, so they just talked about demons. Well, if that's true, then remember, Jesus interacted with demons. He talked to demons. He commanded demons. If he was talking to imaginary beings, then Jesus should have been locked up in a mental asylum. He was out of his mind. No, demons are real. And people who ignore the reality of demons do so to their own hurt. Demons are real, and they have a very real plan to destroy your life, as we'll see in just a moment. Well, if they are real, what is their agenda? Well, with unbelievers, de demons attempt to lead unbelievers astray, to keep them from accepting Christ as Savior. In the Old Testament, there are only two references to demons in the Old Testament, and both references say that demons are behind false gods. For example, in Deuteronomy 32, verse 17, Moses said, they, that is the Israelites, sacrificed to demons who were not God, to gods whom they have not known, new gods who came lately, whom your fathers did not dread. When the Israelites finally got into the promised land, what did they do? They started worshiping the gods of the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land. Instead of influencing the Canaanites to worship the true God, the Canaanites influenced God's people to worship false gods. And so the Israelites offered sacrifices 
to demons. Now you think, no, wait a minute. What Jew would offer a sacrifice to a demon? That's the point. They didn't know they were offering sacrifices to demons. They thought they were offering a sacrifice to an alternative God like Moloch or Asherah or Baal. But the Bible is telling us behind every false religion, there is a demonic spirit. False religions, other religions, other than Christianity, are an attempt by demons to lead people away from the truth. That means behind Allah, behind Krishna, behind the gods of false religions, there is a demon who is using that false god to solicit people into eternal death. And we see that. And I mentioned last week in 610 A.D., the prophet Muhammad, who was a false prophet, a pedophile, he says he had a vision from Gabriel. And Gabriel gave him a series of visions that became the Koran. And we say, oh, that's just another way of looking at God. That's just another equal religion to Christianity. No, the Bible says. Islam is a religion from the pit of hell. It is a deception of God that has led hundreds of millions of people away from the truth. Or in 1827, Joseph Smith says, the angel Moroni, which I guess means moron, the angel Moroni appeared to Joseph Smith and delivered to him the gold tablets, he says, which became the basis for the Book of Mormon, the Book of Mormon. And we say, isn't that beautiful? The Mormons are such wonderful people. No, they are deluded people. Mormonism is a cult. It is a false religion that is leading hundreds of millions of people away from the true God and the only way to heaven. That's what the Bible says. All false religions behind them have a demonic element to it. But even a more insidious way that demons lead people away from the truth is by taking Christianity and changing it just enough where it is no longer the gospel. There are elements of the Christian church today, denominations, other groups that have taken the gospel and polluted it. They've added to it to where it is no longer the gospel. You had that happening in Paul's day. There was a group of false teachers named the Judaizers who came into the churches at Galatia and they said, oh, we revere Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Son of God. He died on the cross for the sins of the world. Yes, we believe that. We believe in the reality of Christ's death, but we don't believe in the sufficiency of it. To become a Christian, to be saved, you do need to trust in Jesus Christ. But that's not enough. You need to, they said, the Judaizers, keep the Old Testament laws. You need to be circumcised. And they added and added and added and added to what you must do to be saved. How did Paul take that kind of teaching? What did he say about it? In Galatians 1.8, he says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which we have preached to you, that person is to be accursed. That word accursed is anathema. Literally, it means to be damned. Any religious person who says the death of Christ is not sufficient, it is the death of Christ and something else, is a heretic and should be sent to hell forever and ever and ever. Now, what we're talking about are not just minor doctrinal disagreements. 
Anything added to the name of Jesus Christ and his work on the cross is heresy. And that's what deludes and confuses so many people. They say, well, this religion, this church, it believes in Jesus. It believes in the cross. It believes in the resurrection. But it's not the gospel. Listen, the gospel of Jesus Christ is that Well, you heard it. It is finished. It was done on the cross. When Jesus died for our sins, he said, Tata, lest I paid in full, there is nothing you and I can add to the gospel. If there's something we can add to it, how do we ever know if we've done enough? We can't know it. The gospel is the death of Christ alone for the payment of our sins. Demons will try to obscure people to that by either creating a whole false religious system or changing the true gospel just enough to send people to hell. Secondly, demons attempt to harm believers. They have a ministry in the life of believers as well. If Satan can't rob you of your eternal soul, he'll do everything he can to rob you of your joy, your effectiveness for Christ, your physical life, anything he can steal from you. In John 10.10, Jesus said, for the thief, Satan, comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Well, how is that, pastor, that demons can work in our lives? Well, first of all, they can work through nature. Ephesians 2.2 says, Satan is the prince of the power of the air. I don't understand that, but I do understand that God has given Satan certain authority in this world. That means he has limited authority over natural elements in the world like wind, rain, hurricanes, tornadoes. Remember in Job 1, Satan asked for permission to test Job, and God gave him that permission. And one of the tests Satan brought into Job's life was a tornado that destroyed his home and the roof caved in and killed all of his children. I don't understand that, but I understand even though Satan has limited authority, he is still under God's sovereignty. As Martin Luther said, the devil is God's devil. Somebody said that Satan is like a junkyard dog on a very long chain. Although his power to destroy is considerable, it's also limited. Nothing can come into your life, my life, that has not been allowed by the Spirit of God. Secondly, demons can work through physical illness. Now, not all illness is a result of Satan and his demons, but some of it is. Remember in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul talked about a thorn in the flesh, a physical ailment that he had, and he prayed three times that God would remove it, and God said no. And he identified this thorn in the flesh in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 as, quote, a messenger of Satan. Satan can use illness to discourage us and um, harm us in other ways. Thirdly, demons can work through mental illness. Now, I want to be very careful here. This is very important. Not all mental illness is from Satan. Not at all. Uh, God created us as body, soul, and spirit. We're all three. We're not just spirit beings. We're human beings. And our physical bodies, because of the fall that we'll talk about next week, it has caused all of our bodies to deteriorate. Do I hear an amen to that? And not operate in exactly the way God intended it to operate. And that can affect our thoughts and our emotions. Our brain is... 
consist of a series of chemical and electrical impulses. And when those chemicals and electrical impulses are not functioning like they should, it can present depression and anxiety and other common elements. I remember talking to a friend of mine who is a Christian psychiatrist, and I said, do you think that things like schizophrenia and psychoses are demonically caused? And she had a very good reply to that. She said, if they are simply the result of demonic oppression, then why do the symptoms almost always disappear when treated with the right medicine? Doesn't matter whether it's a Christian or non-Christian, you take the right medicine, uh, those things disappear most times. Why is that? And that's a good point. Sometimes those things are the result of a physical problem that can be corrected by medicine. But there's also a spiritual element that we can't not address. The spiritual world can affect the natural world, including our thoughts and emotions. Let me give you an illustration of that. In Philippians 4, 6, and 7, Paul says, in all things through prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. If you have an emotional problem like worry, Paul says it's possible for a positive spiritual practice like prayer to affect your physical emotions. If that's true, doesn't it stand to reason there are negative spiritual forces out there that can impact our emotions as well? We can't discount the world of demons and satanic attack in mental illness. And that leads to another way that demons work, and that is through suicide. You see that in Mark chapter 9. There was a boy who was afflicted. He kept throwing himself into the fire he started, tried to drown himself. He was trying to take his own life. And the Bible says it was because of demonic influence. Anytime you begin thinking, my life is hopeless. Nobody cares about me. I'd be better off dead than alive. I'd become a burden to my family. Those thoughts do not come from God. It comes from the evil one. John 8, says that Satan is a liar and he is a murderer. It is Satan and his forces who are trying to take your life prematurely. And let me just encourage you, if you have thoughts of suicide or you know somebody close to you who is thinking about suicide, run, don't walk to a Christian psychiatrist, to a counselor, to your doctor who can help you discern what needs to be done. Whether it's you or someone you love, the turmoil caused by emotional depression can be absolutely devastating. And I sincerely hope today's message has provided you with tangible steps for recovery. This is one of the many issues that I address in my brand new book. Like the teaching series, my new book is called What Every Christian Should Know. I'd love to send you a hardbound copy to your home right away. It's over 270 pages in length, and every page gives you a biblical foundation upon which you can build an authentic walk with God. Please request your copy today. It's yours when you give a generous gift to support the growing ministry of Pathway to Victory. 
Your generous gifts allow us to beam this daily program all across our great country, from Maine to California, and from Washington to Florida, and everywhere in between. Plus, your gift enables us to send Pathway to Victory around the world on television and the internet as well. Finally, let me encourage you to take the next step in your support of Pathway to Victory as one of our Pathway Partners. A Pathway Partner is someone who financially supports Pathway to Victory every month. As a Pathway Partner, you receive exclusive benefits as well. But the best part is this. God will use your monthly giving to help other believers build their faith on solid ground, just like you, as they learn to embrace the core beliefs for standing strong in a shifting world. Thanks so much for trusting us with your generous gifts. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. Today, when you invest in the ministry of Pathway to Victory by becoming a Pathway Partner or by giving a generous one-time gift, We'll say thanks by sending you the brand new book by Dr. Jeffress called What Every Christian Should Know. Call 866-999-2965 or visit our website. That's at ptv.org. Now, when your investment is $75 or more, we'll also send you the complete collection of audio and video discs for the What Every Christian Should Know teaching series. Plus, you'll also get the study guide that you can use on your own or with a small group. One more time, call 866-999-2965 or go to ptv.org. If you'd like to write to us, here's that mailing address, P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. Again, that's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins. Join us again next time when Dr. Jeffress continues his message called What Every Christian Should Know About Angels and Demons, right here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas.